It is no longer Rusev Day in the wrestling world. It is now Miro Day, as Miro is all elite. We're going to talk about that and review AEW Dynamite next on the Squared Circle Psycho Babble. Ralph, were you surprised to see Miro, a.k.a. Rusev, in all elite wrestling last night? I was definitely surprised to see him last night, and I was definitely surprised to see him in the capacity that he did arrive in, being the best man for Kip Sabian. Um, I, I must say, not only was I surprised by Miro's debut, I was also surprised by how comfortable Kip Sabian was in his role last night as well. I thought he did really a really was. good job for what it was worth. I thought he was funny. It didn't feel forced. It didn't fe- seem like somebody was feeding him those lines. He felt really comfortable in there. Uh, as far as Mero is concerned, uh, this is something that is definitely going to get a lot of attention. Uh, this is another guy that has that label put on him as somebody from WWE that is typically underutilized. You know, That's one of the words that comes to mind when you think of somebody like him. Yep. This is his chance. It's his opportunity to prove that he was truly underutilized, that he was kept beneath that glass ceiling, as he likes to say, or as he's pointed out last night, and he wasn't given the opportunity to run uh, with that brass ring and try to really show what he's capable of. Uh, I think that it's obvious to people that Rusev Day was very over in WWE. Especially because now they're chanting Mero Day as soon as he jump- jumps on and he heard it. Yeah, you know, The fans yeah. heard it, so... I mean, I know there was a conversation Miro just recently had where he was talking about how Vince thought Rusev Day was a joke and fans were just chanting it to mock him. But obviously that's not the case. And that shows here with this chant Miro Day instead of Rusev Day. It just carries over from one promotion to the other. Yeah, I I mean, the thing that I want to see AEW specifically get away from with any of these former WWE guys that are coming into the promotion Stop letting them dog WWE on their way in the door. Stop letting that be their primary thing that they're talking about as soon as they get to AEW. Number one, we've heard it all before. We've heard it from Moxley. We heard it from Brody Lee. We we know that Brody Lee's character is supposed to be some type of parody of Vince McMahon. There's going to be shots that are thrown from all these guys at some point in one way or another. Right. But if they are truly that good, let them stand out for all of the reasons why they feel they can break through that glass ceiling, make them feel important. Don't make them feel like just another disgruntled WWE employee that is showing up in AEW because WWE didn't want to pay them anymore. These guys consistently come from other from WWE specifically to AEW, and the first thing they do is dog the WWE on their way inside the company. Stop doing that because it's highlighting... Uh, the fact that there's going to be an added pressure now to Miro, to Brody Lee, to any of these guys. Now you're pretty much saying that, you know what? I was held back. I could have been a big star there and I'm going to do this in AEW. If they don't live up to that, it's going to look bad on them because it's going to prove that WWE was right not to push them. So right, I'd right. like to see them get away from that. Let them stand out for the right reasons. Uh, on top of all of it, CM Punk cut that same promo about brass rings and glass ceilings 10 years ago and did it better than anybody that has done it to this point. So. Um, while it's great that Miro's there, and I think he can be somebody that can certainly make an impact, get away from dogging the WWE. You, right. you always say you're not going to concern yourself with WWE. Stop concerning yourself with WWE. Do your own thing. Stand up for the right reasons. Now, quick question. I I saw a couple people mention this on Twitter, comparing this to when X-Pac showed up on the Raw after WrestleMania 14 with um, the new DX. Do you see that similarity between what Miro did and what X-Pac did way back when? I think that you're going to, well, because he 
he told Bischoff to kiss his ass or Hogan to kiss his ass, whatever it was. But right. I, I think that whenever you get an established star, somebody who's prominent within the wrestling industry going from one company to another, they're going to draw comparisons and there's going to be all types of parallels that are made. The other thing that people are obviously talking about is, well, look, here's another ex-WWE guy. This is just another TNA all over again. The thing that I think people have to remember is there's only so many wrestling promotions and there's only so many big wrestling promotions. Guys go from promotion to promotion to promotion all the time. So to be like, oh, well, this is just TNA all over again, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be TNA all over again because they'd really have to screw shit up with all of these wrestlers to make it TNA all over again. Guys go from promotion to promotion based on where they're going to get hired. They have to work. So I, I mean... I think people need to understand that guys go from all of these promotions all the time. So I, I think it's a little premature to just jump to it's TNA all over again. Right, right. Exactly. Now I did see on Twitter, Dave Meltzer, someone tweeted him out and talking about how AEW's taking all these former WWE guys and actually changed the logo. So that instead of it saying all elite wrestling, it says world wrestling entertainment with WWE mm-hmm. and the response that Meltzer gave was like, I love all the PWG takeovers. So it goes both ways. WWE takes guys from ring of honor, new Japan, PWG all over the place. So obviously they got to come from somewhere. And if you're AEW, I say this all the time. You got to take the former WWE guys that people will recognize so that they come and watch the show. Then they build up the guys they don't know and put them over. Right. They're definitely doing that. Yeah, I think I, in some regard. Yeah, and I I really don't mind the talent going from one company to another because, like I said, if if WWE had the opportunity to take MJF from AEW, you bet your ass they're probably going to do that. These guys go from company to company based on wherever the work is and whatever company is willing to sign them and pay them. They have to make a living just like everybody else. The thing that I would prefer to see them get away from because we've seen it now with Brody, Jericho, Moxley. Um, I'm sure other guys, Cody, stop taking shots at WWE, go there, become a big star on your own. Don't, don't necessarily put all that added pressure on yourself to perform and meet levels that you think you could have met in the WWE. Now's your opportunity. So do it. It really is. Now, someone that could be taking a new opportunity in elite wrestling is Kenny Omega as they had two backstage segments. One where Tony Schiavone interviewed hangman page. The other one where Jim Ross interviewed, Kenny Omega, and they have different plans. Hangman Page wants to get the team back together and try to run the tag team vision again and try to get those tag titles back. Kenny Omega, on the other hand, is saying, you know what? People wanted me to be the single star. I did what I could with the tag division. It's already a deep enough tag division, so I'm going back to being a single star. What'd you think of these backstage interview segments And the clean, I shouldn't say the cleaner because he's not there yet, but Kenny Omega heading back to singles competition. Uh, I agree with what Kenny was saying. I think he did all he could possibly do for the tag team division. Uh, I don't think there was anything left for him to prove there. I think that a lot of people did put a lot of pressure on Kenny Omega and expected him to be this really big singles competitor when AEW was first formed. And they acknowledged that, you know, I think there was very real, uh, outside of the professional wrestling world and, and just AEW storylines, there was a lot of pressure for Kenny to come in and be the guy that he was in Japan. 
Right. A lot of people know that didn't necessarily live up to what we thought was going to happen, but you know, they have the opportunity now to write that, that wrong or write the ship, however you want to say it with Kenny going forward. I like the fact that they are on two different pages where hangman page essentially is saying, you know what, we're going to, we're going to work it out. We'll get back in there. We'll, we'll climb back to the top. And Kenny's just like, no, I'm done. I think eventually what's going to end up happening is we'll get some type of, uh, three-way tag match with between the Bucks and Kenny and Hangman and FTR. And we'll see what happens from that point. But I think what we're starting to see more and more is Hangman Page is going to be the baby face. Kenny's definitely going to be the cleaner at some point. And hopefully we get the the singles competitor that we thought we were going to get from Kenny all along. Doesn't yeah, belong I, at 13 rank wrestler in the world. I disagree the a little bit, Ralph. I disagree in that we're going to get some kind of six-man tag with Hangman Page with FTR and... Kenny Omega with, with the Bucks. Now, obviously, we're seeing Kenny veering off. We see the Bucks doing heelish things, including super kicking Alex Marvez this week. But it seems like Kenny Omega is, or excuse me, it, it seems like uh, Hangman Page is acting very babyface-like, and people need to get sympathy for him. And I think a lot of people are giving him that sympathy, while FTR are being total dicks. And they were total dicks in their segment this week where they're having their tag team celebration, winning the tag titles, and basically burying every single tag team that's circling around the ring. SCU calling them old. Yep. Uh, private party basically calling them non-existent. An afterthought. An afterthought. And you have Jurassic Express basically are cosplay wrestlers. You got one that's a cosplay Tarzan, the other one that's a fake dinosaur. And a dumbass dinosaur is dumb what you refer to. Right. Dumb, dumbass dinosaur. So I, I really don't see that. And Hangman Page kind of alluded to it in his interview as well, saying that, you know, I thought these guys were like me. They talk like me. They look like me. They dress like me. But obviously, they're not like him. So they're going to veer off to something else with Hangman Page. Maybe he stays in the singles run. I don't know. But that tag team celebration segment, I thought it was a good segment, though. Yes, that was a good segment. And just to go back to what you were saying about Hangman Page there, I think that's done intentionally because I think ultimately what's going to happen there is he is going to realize he is exactly like FTR. And I think that's the story I think that they're trying to tell. Kenny was trying to be something that he's not. Hangman Page is trying to be something he's not. And they're both going to come to a realization. Kenny needs to be the cleaner. Hangman needs to be the selfish son of a bitch that FTR said they know he is. And then they'll all both go on their own way. So uh, that's where I think this is heading. As far as the 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 segment with FTR, I love this. I love the fact that they felt important. I love the fact that they took the time to cut in on uh, all of the other tag teams. I found everything they said to be funny. The one thing that I didn't like about this, Marco Stunt. And I'll tell you exactly why, why I didn't like this. You're trying to build up a tag team like FTR. You're trying to make them feel important, trying to make them feel feared, trying to make them feel tough. They're even going as far as to say, look, Jurassic Express, you're going to get an opportunity next week to prove yourselves. It won't be for the belts, but we're going to have a match. Who's the first person to step up? Marco Stunt. Dude, you're 100 pounds and you're in a boot. Get the fuck off the apron. You're not beating anybody up. That, 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 demor- that devalues the entire segment by having him be the first guy to step up and act like he's going to do something to FDR. You, you, are a, you are the side piece to this group. 
get off of the apron, stay on the floor where you belong. Then they went to, and they dumped ice on FT. He specifically went and grabbed the cooler to dump ice on them. Just stop, stop. It could have been a, it could have been a really good segment where you had FTR backing away from Jurassic Express, built up the match for next week, but they couldn't help themselves. And they just had to get Marco Stunt involved like they have to every single week. And whether it's a match or a promo, get him off the ring. Okay. I, I agree with what you're trying to say there. Yeah, Marco, I mean, he's part of the Jurassic Express, so he's going to be there whether you like it or not. But I maybe could have done without the ice spot at the end, but everything else before that was very, very good. I would have liked it to finish off where uh, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, you know, split up and did their thing, or they did like the brawl. Everybody split up, and that's where the heat goes instead of the ice thing. But still a a good segment. I'm not going to you know, really tear it too much, but I'll agree. I'll agree with, I'll agree with you with the Marco stunt thing. Let's not devalue the segment with Marco stunt being the first one. That's going to act like a tough guy. Tully would have slapped the shit out of him. If he wanted to at 70 years of age, however old he is. Yeah. True. Up there with a boot on his leg, get off the apron. True. But let's move on to the main event. Let's talk about the main event a little bit here, Ralph. Um, It was Brody Lee versus Dustin Rhodes for the TNT championship. Great match. I thought this was a great main event. This was a main event that needed to to deliver, especially what we saw in NXT the night before with the NXT championship match and the steel cage match. Obviously people are going to compare the two episodes, even though they're on separate nights, but I think this match really delivered. Dustin Rhodes still has it over 50 years old doing things like Herna Karana's, you know, Canadian destroyers while still, while still telling the story in the match. Basically, where Brody, you know, he went right through Cody. No problem whatsoever. Dustin Rhodes, on the other hand, he's fighting for not just his brother. He's fighting for himself, the nightmare, natural nightmares, and everyone else that the Dark Order is just bullying around right now. And it worked. It was a great match, in my opinion. Sometimes less is more, as they say. You notice that these two guys showed that they have the experience within the industry to deliver without having to do a bunch of crazy shit. Uh, yes, there was a Canadian destroyer in the match, but that was really the only big high spot. Yeah, Hurricane Rana, but at this point in 2020, is that really considered like a, a crazy type of, you know, when Dustin Rhodes move? does it, it is. No, and, and and that's the thing. Like they they were simple in their approach to this match. It was hard hitting and in your face. Clotheslines, punches, kicks, spine busters, all the just basic storytelling back and forth. Uh, a simple lariat clothesline is what ended up ultimately deciding the outcome of this match. This was a big match for both of these guys. I, and like you said, Dustin Rhodes, no matter how old he is, he continues to prove that he can go in the ring. He's consistently been good to very good in just about every match he's had in AEW to this point. I find myself liking a good majority of his matches. Um, I, I loved it. I thought the psychology of it was very good. The storytelling of it was very good. They didn't have to go and do a bunch of crazy stuff for it to stand out. Um, this, this could be a match where some of the younger guys, I think, look at just to kind of observe and see like, look, we don't have to do all this crazy stuff to put on a good match. This was a, this, to me, this was one of the, this was definitely the best match of the night, in my opinion, for AEW, but it's right up there alongside the other good matches that we saw on NXT last night as well, or, uh, Tuesday night, I should say. I agree. It definitely was the best match of the night, but it's actually surprising that this episode of AEW Dynamite had very little in-ring action, like very little Uh wrestling happening in this episode of Dynamite 
And that's like one of the main takeaways that I take from this episode is that, you know, so many promos and it's not even a bad thing because they progress storylines and most of the promos actually delivered all the talking segments to me delivered. You know, you're talking about Eddie Kingston in the beginning, dropping the, oh, I was never eliminated, which I'm so happy he brought that up because we talked about this on the all out uh, review saying yep. that I don't think he was ever eliminated and he brings it up. The, the video segments with Lance Archer and John Moxley were good. The video segment with MJF was very, very good. Firing everybody, telling you that Wardlow is under MJF's payroll, not Tony Khan's payroll. Yep. So that's why Wardlow has to kind of lay low and not beat up John Mock, uh, excuse me, MJF. Yep. A lot of good talking segments, Ralph. Yeah. I actually went back and just went through the show really quick. So it looks like there was four matches and roughly seven or eight promo or video packages in total, wow. which to me is fine because a lot of people are saying this was the, one of the better uh, dynamite shows, which I think it was because it's setting up quite a few things. We didn't even talk about Jericho and MJF doing their little face off. So eventually we might get something like that. I think the most significant one, like you just said, was the one with Wardlow and MJF because it helps establish uh, power over Wardlow because a lot of people are pointing this out. Well, Wardlow's so big and so bad. Why doesn't he just leave uh, MJF's side? He doesn't necessarily have to be there. Uh, but we saw that that wasn't necessarily the case. He's under contract or he's being paid by MJF, which is a nice little wrinkle because it helps humanize me. He even talked about, you need this to support your family. So it helps kind of make people make that connection. So they want to see it even more. They know that he's doing this and aligning himself because he wants to support a family. So now people will want to see him beat the crap out of MJF, which eventually we know we're going to get. Totally agree with you on that, Ralph. I mean, that's what we're, we want. We want people to beat up on MJF and the more people that we get on that, the better and drawing storylines there. It was just a good, it was a good segment. Very good segment. Jericho and MJF. It looked like they were going to start a feud with those two, but then later on in the night, you have Chris Jericho announcing that he and Jake Hager are joining the tag team division. Now, obviously, someone can do both. Someone can be a singles and a tag team wrestler, but it seems kind of back and forth where you have the show start off with this, you know, what a loser, Jericho, MJF thing, and then later on, Jericho and Hager are tagging together. So what do you make of that, Hager and Jericho in the tag division? Um, well, it's a little strange considering proud and powerful are already in the tag division. Um, and top five. Now they're now a top five tag team. Yeah. And, and they've already got so many legitimate tag teams. So I, I this is going to be one of those wait and see type deals for me, as far as what they're going to do in the tag team division. I can talk a little bit about orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho. If you want me to right now, here we go. My favorite episode, my favorite part of the episode, I should say. So do you remember what my big takeaway from All Out was? Regarding uh, the, the whole Mimosa Mayhem nonsense? Basically, did it do anything for Orange Cassidy? Did it do anything for Orange Cassidy? Did it do anything for Chris Jericho? I'm more confident than ever, after her having watched Dynamite this past week, that this absolutely did nothing, absolutely nothing for Orange Cassidy and absolutely hurt Chris Jericho. And not only that, they doubled down on what they did. They hurt Chris Jericho even more last night. Now, let me pontificate on this just a little bit. Let me get into this. Everybody's trying to tell us that 
No, the win over Chris Jericho, they, he, he's beat him twice. So now you're supposed to think he's important. He's somebody that can go out there and compete with the best in the world and go out there and compete with some of the top guys in wrestling, right? Because that's what you would assume they would want you to think, having going Correct. over the former first champion of AEW. Well, what do they have him do after his big win? Where is Angelico ranked in the singles competition? He's not. He's not ranked. Now, mind you, Orange Cassidy certainly looked much more serious, which I said months ago, if they want to push this guy, he's going to have to get much more serious and have a completely different approach. So I was right on that. Like I'm right on this. (laughs) There we go. So they had him beat Chris Jericho twice, only to come out and defeat Angelico. Angelico? What do you want him to do? Who do you want him to face the the next night? Just give him a win. Just showcase him on television. It's not another pay-per-view. So you beat the demo god. You beat the man who's supposed to be one of the champion, this big grand thing, the bubbly, the leader of the inner circle. You've now pinned him twice. Well, we are going to He pinned him once. He pinned him once and dunked him in mimosa the second time. Okay, okay, okay. You sent him swimming. Chris Jericho had his swimmies on. He had his floating device wrapped around his stomach, as we could see. <laughs> and Helico? This is how you follow up? This is how you re well, Who do you your- want him to fight? Who do you want him to wrestle? Give us something to be invested in here. Keep show show us. Let him go let him go out there and say something about beating Chris Jericho. Now, hold on. This gets even better. The plot is thickening here. Chris Jericho. One of the best ever to wrestle. The man who pinned The Rock and Steve Austin in the same night. He goes out there with Jake Hager. Jake Hager, what does Jake Hager do on the side to make money? What is his side profession? He is when he's a, not, when he's he's an not, MMA fighter. He's, what is his, he's, he's an undefeated MMA fighter. So you now have Le Champion, one of the best ever, an undefeated MMA fighter, going out there and having a competitive 10 plus minute match against Sonny Kiss and fucking Joey Janela. What is going on in AEW behind the scenes? Why are they doing this? So not only do we know that you're not supposed to care about Chris Jericho anymore by putting him in. So you mean to tell me SCU couldn't work last night? There, there was no other tag team that could have worked this match against Chris Jericho and Hager to actually make it feel important. You know, when we talked about Adam Cole and we talked about the best wrestlers in the world, what was the one thing people said about Adam Cole? He's what? What is he wrestling? A developmental brand. You mean to tell me that Sonny Kiss and Joey Janela are higher on the totem pole because AEW Dynamite isn't developmental and, and Adam Cole doesn't belong on that list? Get your shit straight, people. I've been right all along. I'm right on this. Chris Jericho looks like an absolute fool right now. He looked like a fool when he was swimming in a whole thing of freaking orange juice or whatever else it was. This is stupid. The whole thing is stupid. If you want Orange Cassidy to look important, feel important, and be important, putting a meaningful match is following a meaningful win. Chris Jericho goes out there every week with his pot belly, his undefeated MMA fighter, and they make him look like an idiot by having a competitive match against two people that don't belong on national TV. Thank you. Good night. I'm done with that segment. Do you have anything to add? I will agree. I won't go to the quasi JD level that you just did. But well, if he if he says that and he and I say that, 
we can at least find something to agree upon. Maybe, maybe. But I, I will agree, Joey Janela and Sonny Kiss were probably the wrong team to put against Hager and Jericho. In and a competitive not, match. In a competitive match. Especially when it's no, I mean, when it's no disqualification, I could see, you know, Joey Janela and Sonny Kiss using weapons, catching them off guard. But, like, Sonny Kiss was getting some, some offense in. Mind you, Hager was eliminated in the Battle Royal by Sonny Kiss, too. So well, that's now, why they only, have this match. That's why not, they had the match. Not only are you not supposed to care about Jericho, but Hager's a piece of crap, too, I guess. Yeah. That, nothing, that, look, look. There's nothing. If Sonny Kiss and, and Joey Janela, if, if you want to professional wrestle, that's fine. Do it on dark. Do it with some of the undercard people. But to go out there and have a competitive match against two people that you're supposed to. This is the guy that's the freaking one of the founding fathers, the guy that that literally helped establish the company. And he's going out there having competitive matches against two people that shouldn't be in this match. Right. I agree. I, I agree. But at the end of the day, maybe Jericho is going out there and saying that he wants to joke, showcase these guys. He wants to showcase Joey Janelle. He wants to showcase Sonny Kiss. And this is the way he's going to do it. Sometimes that looks good. Sometimes that looks bad. It looked good for Orange Cassidy. I think right now it looks bad for with the whole thing with Joey Jadal and Sonny Kiss. Hopefully this is just a one-off thing. They can move on and do some great things with the tag division, which is already deep enough as it is. I don't think we really need Chris Jericho and Jake Hager, but still it's, it's good. It, it's good that there, you know, you have Jer- Jericho in this division, showcase a little bit more tag teams. And maybe this ends, this is the start of the end of the inner circle, which I mentioned already. Santana and Ortiz are, t- are in the top five. They make it to number five this week. And now Jericho and Hager are in the tag division. Right. I, I'd be a little worried about that with uh, Mr. Santana and Ortiz from a storyline perspective, I should say. But any other key takeaways from this episode of AEW Dynamite, Ralph? Aside from my little rant, I thought this was a very good episode of uh, Dynamite. I think that they did a lot as far as the segments and storyline progression. Um, there was a lot there. I mean, a lot there. Even though there was a lot, there was there was a lot of good flow to it. The matches from what I saw, even the Orange Cassidy match, even though I'm going to be critical of him for how he's being positioned, the match itself was still good in my opinion. So don't for, for all the people that are going to be upset that I'm talking about your favorite wrestler it's okay. I'm giving credit where credit's due. It's not his fault that the management in AEW has lost their freaking mind when it comes to booking him. So <laughs> let's blame it on Tony Khan or whoever else is involved with that nonsense. Uh, I, overall, I, I thought this was a very, very good episode of Dynamite. Very good. I agree. This was a very good episode of Dynamite. It was a breath of fresh air because week in and week out, it's just match, 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 match. Yeah. Now, I understand some of the matches do progress storylines. They do tell their stories within the ring and, you know, from there on. But this was just different. This was a different and a rare episode. And a lot of people, when I posted it on Twitter, that it was a rare episode where we saw more promo than in-ring action. A lot of people like that. And that's the thing that is so missing in professional wrestling today. The art of the promo. The fact that we could put promos into a show and it doesn't have to be match, 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 match. Everything's a freaking match. Every segment has a match. Let people talk. Eddie Kingston could talk. MJF could talk. John Moxley could talk. Brody Lee could talk. Progress storylines without having all these different matches because eventually when you have all these matches, 
You're going to run out of matches. You're going to run yeah. out of combinations. And granted, there's a lot of guys there, but you got to have people talk. And this episode did that, and they did it very, very well. A lot of people saying it was one of the best episodes of Dynamite. I don't know if I go that far, but it was one of the better ones in recent time. Let's say I, within the last couple months. I think this was the best Dynamite as far as... Uh, I don't know if production is the right word. The The video packages were very good and all of the segments that were supposed to progress the storyline felt important and yep. hit hit what they were supposed to hit. Even Ricky Starks, we didn't even get into There was so much in this episode that I thought really worked. Ricky Starks, another guy, went out there, cut a short little promo. Effective. I I, I mean, I, I really thought this was a very good episode. Really well put together. It really despite, was. Despite my gripes with other things. Right. So... Have you have you calmed down? Do you need to count uh, to ten? Let me look at my notes. I'm sure I could I can go talking on Matt Hardy if you'd like. But I oh, yeah, that's the other thing we completely forgot about Matt Hardy. The only note I made about Matt Hardy was he did say he needed to take time off. So for everybody saying this was a work, you don't take time off to to recover from a hangnail. Obviously, there's something going on there, right? And um, they showed he, he he too cut a very good very good passionate promo. He did, and that that promo right there. You know, saying that he's going to come back. He's going to go for gold when he comes back. It's great. And we saw Rebby Hardy for a little bit, and she's yep. shaking her head. I don't know if you caught that in the, in the promo. Obviously, she is upset with what happened on Saturday, and rightfully so. I don't think that match should have continued, but it seems like Matt will be okay. He'll get to 100%, which is very, very good, considering the fall that it was was very scary. That could have left him, you know, permanent brain damage the way he landed on his head. Thank God he's not. I believe it seems like some kind of neck or shoulder injury based on what I saw on Twitter. There was a picture of him getting those suction cup things on his like neck area. So that could be what it is. Take time off. Be with Rebby, be with the newborn and just recover. Right. There'll be a spot for you when you come back. No questions asked. So, but yeah. Overall, this was a very good show. Did it did it do what it did for NXT? Was it at the same level as NXT? Well, we did review NXT, and you can click the thumbnail on the screen right now to watch our review of NXT. And don't forget to share us all over social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at SCPV Podcast. And we'll talk to you on the next episode of the Squared Circle Psycho Babble.